I really am not trying to do clickbait uh, with the title of this particular episode, 438, uh, for November 7th, 2022. The, the fact is, if I wrote down what we're going to discuss and it got picked up by Google and it got picked up by a lot of the podcast platforms, this would be likely to be disappeared. And that may well happen. Um, because I know oh, you may use speech to text. I, yep, yeah, I know Google does. So, what we're going to talk about is pattern recognition. Again, we talk about that a lot, but this time going backwards. For instance, if you were, let's say, you employed somebody, and let's say that they were in your accounting department, and you saw that they were making some mistakes. But let's say it was always the same percentage. It was always like one-tenth of a percent off of, off of your billings. And that, that money was going somewhere. Let's say that you just discovered that been happening for a few days. And you went to them and said, hey, are you aware of this? And they said, oh, let me change that. Sorry, yeah, yeah, made a mistake. Would you go back and look? Would you go back and, and now have someone else take a look? How long has this been going on? Well, you'd be foolish if you wouldn't go back and look at the history. So we know that big pharma lies constantly. They lied about what the mRNA injections are. Ultimately, the, uh, the mRNA vaccines uh, are an example for that uh, cell and gene therapy. I always like to say, if we had surveyed two years ago uh, in the public, would you be willing to take a, a gene, th- gene or cell therapy and inject it into your body? We would have probably had a 95% refusal rate. I think uh, this pandemic has also opened many people's eyes to, to innovation in the way that uh, was maybe not possible before. That was the CEO of Bear admitting that they lied to us about what these injections are. He's fine with that. We know that they have powerful people in their grip or people who are run by powerful people and they cause them to say things like this. There's no excuse. No excuse for anyone being unvaccinated. This continues to be a pandemic of the unvaccinated. So we got to make more progress. Yes, never been true. And we know as well that it's not just covid we know that pharma is behind the brutal, brutal lie of, of so-called transgenderism and the brutal mutilation of kids' bodies driven by men like this who himself pretends to be a woman. All a penis is is just a large clitoris. I mean, let's, we're all, it's all the same material. It really is. Well, in that case, then, a thumb is also a penis and a clitoris. It's insanity. It's evil lying, which brings us to episode 438. How is it that a PhD um, in literature, and I think uh, historical literature, she'll correct me on that, who was pro-vaccine, how is it that she now is one of the top, I don't want to say critics, but realists about the vaccines most of us have had? Are any of them safe? Are any of them effective? Should we trust anything in the existing vaccine schedule? Jennifer Margulis. I had been vaccinated as a child. I went and I worked in West Africa as a young adult. And then we again took our children to West Africa when they were little. And so I've actually been vaccinated against things that a lot of Americans have never heard of, like yellow fever, for example. and but when the when 23 years ago, when a nurse came at me with a needle in the hospital and said, it's time for your daughter's hepatitis B vaccine. And I was a very educated person. I knew that hepatitis B was a sexually transmitted disease. And I just said to the nurse, I said, I don't know about that. I want to ask her doctor, which seems like a very reasonable thing to say. And the nurse got furious at me absolutely livid. And, you know, she had already opened up the syringe. Maybe that's what somebody told me. That was why she was so angry. Um, and, you know, because I I thought to myself, when well, my husband and I are in a monogamous relationship, we both have been tested recently for hepatitis B. We don't have it. The way that you get hepatitis B is by sharing blood products, exchanging semen, or, you know, using 
using IV needles if you're a drug addict. And lo and behold, when I started researching it, and you know, this was before the internet, it was harder to get information. I actually called the CDC. And by the way, they never called me back. So author and speaker and realist Jennifer Margulis, PhD, joins us in The Todd Herman Show. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which God has decided we shall live. The Unnamed Podcast. Well, when you are dealing with powers that be at the level that we're dealing with, it's particularly when you're talking about technocrats, one has to be wise as a serpent, gentle as a dove. I don't know if I qualify as any of that, but you have to be careful. Now, there is also an issue of trust when it comes to the financial world. We know that. We've watched it. We see what the technocrats financially are doing. That was one of the main reasons I work with Bulwark Capital Management and Zach Abraham. Zach is a truth teller, like Jennifer. He's a realist, like Jennifer. He's been telling us about the rigged financial system now for about a decade. And he's watched it shape and form and metastasize. He was one of those guys who said, why are people not shorting housing stocks? There's no way that this housing market can sustain itself. Zach was right, just like the people in the big short. And Zach has been saying for some time, there is no possible way to explain how Tesla's stock is so high when the prices for the core materials to make Tesla are so low. You can't make Tesla without these key minerals and metals and alloys. And yet they're not priced near as high as Tesla. It makes no sense. Then there's the 0% interest rate loans that these mobbed up entities give one another. See, that's risky for us because it's a chaos economy. So here's my challenge for you before the end of the year. Get in touch with Bulwark Capital Management and see if your portfolio can sustain the chaos economy. Is it set up for the rough ride? Incidentally, if you're 58 years of age or older and you are not yet uh, and, and you're not yet retired, you don't want to retire, you need to work. You can transfer the direction of your 401k from your employer to Bulwark Capital Management. They'll just take over how it's invested. That is not a taxable event. And if you're five to 10 years from retirement or even 15, you're in the risk zone. It's vital that you get in touch with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management. See if your portfolio is set up for risk management because that's the zealous focus of Bulwark Capital Management. They're at 866-779-RISK. Just call them there, 866-779-RISK or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice can't be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative. Check Financial LLC and SEC Registered Investment Advisor. Jennifer Margulis, such an honor to have you on the Todd Herman Show. Welcome, Jennifer. Thank you for having me, Todd. I always know I'm going to talk to an interesting person when I see (laughs) how Google tries to manipulate uh, how people find you. And that means to me that you are over the target uh, and so much of your work. And we'll link to your books and your websites in the the podcast. It's right down there in the show notes, by the way, guys. So you can have that and link to her work. And um, I just want to get right off the bat with something. There's something you and I were just talking about. When I watched the COVID swindle, the what I call medically useless, selective, politically targeted lockdowns and the psychological assault on people and the pretense that masks protect us, uh, it matched up with something I watched earlier, which was the transing of kids, which I've been I've been front and center on for six to seven, maybe eight years. And it's pharma. And they lie about that. They lie about puberty blockers. They lie about the mRNA injections. And I got to tell you, you know where I'm at? I have owe my wife an apology. She's been a childhood vaccine skeptic for a very long time. Guess what? I am too. So is this new? 
No, you know, this is new since COVID that someone like you would start to say, I always thought the vaccines were okay. They were safe. They were tested. And then because you've come to see how badly public health has mismanaged all of the last two and a half years, you're starting to question. And maybe like you said, I love that you said, I owe my wife an apology. I think a lot of people need to start eating some really big helpings of humble pie, Todd. (laughs) But, um, you know, people have been talking about why the United States childhood vaccine schedule is not based on the best science and the best evidence um, for years. I mean, for more than 20 years, I've been writing and researching uh, medical issues, medical malfeasance, vaccine safety. And I came at it from a very, from a very pro vaccine perspective. You know, I had been vaccinated as a child. I went and I worked in West Africa as a young adult. And then we again took our children to West Africa when they were little. And so I've actually been vaccinated against things that a lot of Americans have never heard of, like yellow fever, for example. Um, and but when the when 23 years ago, when a nurse came at me with a needle in the hospital and said, it's time for your daughter's hepatitis B vaccine. And I was a very educated person. I knew that hepatitis B was a sexually transmitted disease. And I just said to the nurse, I said, I don't know about that. I want to ask her doctor, which seems like a very reasonable thing to say. And the nurse got furious at me, absolutely livid. And, you know, she had already opened up the syringe. Maybe that's what somebody told me. That was why she was so angry. Um, and, you know, because I I thought to myself, when well, my husband and I are in a monogamous relationship, we both have been tested recently for hepatitis B. We don't have it. The way that you get hepatitis B is by sharing blood products, exchanging semen, or, you know, using using IV needles if you're a drug addict. And lo and behold, when I started researching it, and, you know, this was before the internet, it was harder to get information. I actually called the CDC and by the way, they never called me back. Um, <laughs> and then I yeah. called other people who I knew were very knowledgeable about it and had conversations with them. And when I started researching it, I found out that the justification for giving an infant, a newborn and an infant series of hepatitis B, which now every child in America gets, unless their parents are savvy about these things, Todd, the justification was because, oh, We need to make sure we vaccinate everyone because we can't get the prostitutes and the IV drug users in for prenatal care. So even though we have excellent prenatal care in this country, we're just going to make a blanket recommendation to vaccinate all newborns. And it's it's shocking, not only because it disrupts the immune system and it's completely unnecessary, but that hepatitis B vaccine contains 250 micrograms of aluminum and aluminum is a known neurotoxin. So what we're doing is between in, in within a couple of hours of a baby, tiny little baby's birth, and we give the same dose for a teeny little preemie than we do for an 11 pounder. Within a couple of hours, we are giving them something that can cause a massive disruption to their brain and to their immune system. Uh, I puzzle so often at this that that I hear people say, well, these are microdoses of aluminum and, and aluminum is not dangerous in a microdose. And, and I, I reject the following sort of statements. I reject one size fits all statements. Uh, I reject everybody needs the same dose statements. Um, I reject when I am aware of something being a poison that a microdose is definable, given that human beings are so very, very different. And then I wonder, how is it that so many of these vaccines, don't they, don't many of them contain aluminum uh, and, and items like this in the vaccines? Yes. So aluminum is used as an adjuvant. It's actually used so that the body will recognize the vaccine as something toxic and dangerous. So if you don't, if you give a vaccine, a sort of clean and pure vaccine, your body might not, meaning without an adjuvant, your body might not mount an effective immune response. So we actually put the aluminum in the vaccines to make it more reactogenic. Right. So and the thing is, is that we actually have guidelines, Todd, about how much aluminum is safe for exposure. Those guidelines come from the FDA. They're based on parental aluminum, which is um, when you're feeding a child, a newborn who can't eat. Um, So it's an IV aluminum amount. And the 250 micrograms of aluminum not only far exceeds the FDA 
uh, safety standards. And all of this is documented. We have it all in one of the books that I co-wrote with a doctor based in Portland, Oregon. That book is called The Vaccine-Friendly Plan. We actually have the FDA document in the back of the book because we think parents are really smart and that they should do all the reading themselves and make judicious choices based on their, like you said, based on their individual exposures, their genetic vulnerabilities, you know, their whole health history. So we, we put the documents in there. But basically, the other problem, Todd, is that that's not the baby's only exposure to aluminum. So when we talk about micro doses, we're actually talking about a dose that exceeds the safety standards, but we're talking about a cumulative problem of accumulative exposure to aluminum. So the hepatitis B vaccine is the only vaccine that a child gets at birth. And then when they go in for their two-month appointment, they get a whole bunch more vaccines. And unfortunately, just like you said, those vaccines, several of them also contain aluminum. In our book, The Vaccine-Friendly Plan, we suggest to parents who want to vaccinate to never do more than one aluminum-containing vaccine at a time. But the other problem is that we also give babies um, a vitamin K shot. So that's not a vaccine. It's an injection of vitamin K to help them with blood clotting, right? Mm -hmm. And those vitamin K shots, when we got them from the hospital, Dr. Paul Thomas and I looked at the inserts, it turns out that those vitamin K shots, several of the brands of those vitamin K shots also contain aluminum. So you're giving a child a double dose right there. And then there's other aluminum containing things, including um, if depending on if you if you aren't able to breastfeed and if you're giving the child um, an artificial milk substitute, you're giving them even more aluminum. Oh, and this is horrifying because I want healthcare providers to be people who protect health. I want them to subscribe to the Hippocratic Oath, and I want them to entertain questions from patients and parents of patients with enthusiasm. Uh, I want them to say, I'm so glad you're asking these questions, and let's talk about this. But we've had this change in our healthcare system, um, and there is a shift towards credentialism and authoritarianism within the healthcare world, and there's a new breed of doctor and nurse. They don't want your questions. They want you to shut up and take this. And fact, how long, how long has that been the case? Am I just now, am, am I 30 years behind the curve in, in, in really noticing this? No, I think that this is a new phenomenon. I mean, in fact, that the idea that we would make decisions as a team, that we would have true informed consent is actually codified in the American Medical Association's guidelines. So it is codified that you must tell the patient what the potential risks, what the potential benefits, and what the alternatives are. And one of those alternatives, and this is in the AMA documents, Todd, one of the alternatives is not doing anything. And so you actually are in violation of your medical licensing if you are not willing to have that conversation. And that said, we've been doing polls over the past few years, and we've found that the majority of pediatricians think it's okay to fire their patients if they want to make judicious changes to the vaccine schedule or if they want to delay vaccines. So it's actually become more and more entrenched. And, you know, the downward spiral of all of this has basically been since 1986. We've seen more influence from the pharmaceutical companies. We've seen less tolerance from the doctors. And honestly, we've seen a lot more ignorance on the part of the doctors. So instead of a doctor sitting down and talking to you, if you say, tell me the ingredients in the vaccines, and they don't know, what they should say is they say, Oh, wow. That's really interesting. I've never thought of that before. Let me check. Let me check. Instead, they say they, they dismiss you. They vilify you. They tell you that if you won't follow their advice, you're no longer welcome in their practice. And they're talking to these tiny little, these, you know, moms with these tiny little newborn babies who feel so vulnerable. And every cell in your body when you're a new mom is there to protect that baby. And that's all she wants to do. And the doctor tells you they need this. You will die. So I'll just tell you really quickly. I have my next door neighbor came home and her little five-year-old said, I got my shots. And I said, you did? And she said, yeah. And my my neighbor looked at me totally stricken. And she said, I didn't want to do it. The nurse told me she has to get this. She has to get this. She can't go to school. We're kicking her out of school. Now, that's a blatant lie because in the state where I live, we have medical and religious exemptions. And then the doctor's office, when she tried to talk about it, she said, oh, she needs this or she'll die. And guess what vaccine they were catching her up on? 
it was the hepatitis B vaccine for a sexually transmitted disease. And they the doctor actually looked her in the eye and said, your daughter needs this vaccine or she'll die. And I told her, no, 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 you absolutely can say no to any medical intervention that doesn't fit with your family's values or your medical needs. And she said, I had no idea. Unbelievable. And and to lie at that level, that it's almost instinctual. <clears throat> I've told this story before, so I don't want to make it too long because my audience is aware of it. But I was, <clears throat> I was pressured to get the mRNA injection once by a doctor. And the doctor said to me, I was in actually for sinus surgery. <clears throat> and it was um, not my sinus surgeon was great. She was awesome. But there was another doctor there. And he said, incidentally, have you been vaccinated? And I said, uh, for what? And he said, oh, well, for COVID-19. I said, no, I've, I've not. Do you think I should be? He goes, absolutely. I said, yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to be. Um, I just, I don't trust it. He goes, oh, oh okay. So let me tell you something. You're the problem. You are the problem. I said, well, let me ask you this. How do they work? He goes, the, the vaccines, how do they work? I said, yeah, how do they work? He said, well, it, it introduces an inert part of the virus to your body so that it can build an antibody. And he said, by inert, I mean unharmful. I said, yeah, I understand. I got that when you said the word inert. I know what inert means. <clears throat> so you're telling me that this is like a dead portion of the virus, an inactive virus that they shoot into our bodies? He goes, yes, it's, that's, that's how vaccines work. I said, so wait a minute. This is not a gene sequencing device that hijacks our genes into producing a false version of the spike protein, 42 trillion at a time, that distributes itself to the body and end up lodging themselves in high fat areas in our body like our brain and, and lead to um, lodging that into the testes and the ovaries. So that, are we talking about the same vaccine, doctor? And he said this to me, he goes, if you knew that, why did you ask me? I said, you know what? I believe a different, a better question might be, since you knew that, why did you lie to me? And he said, we're done. We're done. I said, okay, well, I appreciate you coming in and I'm, I'm not going to be taking the injections and they're not vaccines incidentally, doc. Um, is this pharma driven? Because I know the FDA is owned by pharma. I mean, what is it? 40% of their budget comes from the people they're supposedly regulating. You know, that's, they're, they're not regulating. They're, they're cooperating. But is it driven by pharma or is it driven by the changes in medical school or pressure from the insurance companies or the Obamacare change? What has caused well, these healthcare professionals to become this abusive? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's a, a really excellent question. And we could, you know, we could have a three hour Joe Rogan type yeah. podcast just answering that. But I, but you know, what's interesting to me, I mean, your doctor was completely wrong. It's kind of fascinating that he had no idea how the MRNA injections were working, but I, I really like to give people the benefit of the doubt. I tend to be an optimistic person. You know, I was told years ago that I was too naive and the older I get, the more naive I want to be in spite of all of the hardness in the That's world beautiful. and all of this disaster. It's true. And so I want to believe that that doctor really thought, really and truly thought you have to get this vaccine because you have to save lives because you can't spread, you don't want you to spread COVID. So, you know, his mistake when he said you are the problem was like vilifying you and blaming you and not coming to you with an open mind. But I want to believe that his motives were good. And you have to understand at which you do and your audience is very sophisticated and they understand it too. But the regular American does not that, you know, these doctors are under extreme amounts of pressure. They are being told they are being force fed lies just like the rest of us and they believe them because they have ego at stake they have money at stake they have their experience at stake i mean if he starts to question it's just like what we started the show with if he starts to question the safety efficacy and necessity of these covid-19 vaccines what else does he have to question about his profession? So, you know, in the case of that specific doctor, I mean, obviously he was ego forward when he should yeah. have been patient advocate forward. But I think in general, and I, and I'll tell you, Todd, I have sat with some of these doctors who have literally have sobbing, literally with tears running down their cheeks and saying, I am so sorry. I didn't know what I didn't know. People came to me, my patients, and they said this or they said that, and I wasn't willing to believe them. And now that I've seen this COVID yeah. craziness and sham, I am apologizing to you, Jennifer, and to everyone else, because if I hurt people, I didn't do it on purpose. And I, 
I want to believe, and you can fault me on this, but I want to no. believe that a lot of them are not doing it on purpose. That is not true about the big pharmaceutical companies, of course. And right. it's not true about the FDA. And it's not true about the biomedical complex. But I think that the doctors themselves are kind of cogs in the wheel and a fish doesn't see the water it swims in. So, so, so beautifully said, you know, the Lord Jesus tells us that we need to be like little children. Um, and, and only in that way can we have the uh, openness of mind and openness of heart to pursue him. And I, I view the life, obviously, through a Christian perspective. You see the cross of Christ behind me. Uh, but so uh, it's a beautiful thing for you to say that I want to be no, more naive the older I get. We'll continue uh, with Jennifer Margulis. In fact, I'm going to when we get done with this, I'm going to ask her to hold up a couple of copies of her books. Um, and they're linked in the show notes as well. We'll continue to talk with her. Hey, there is a great way you can take control of your health, and it is this. The more unwanted fat you have on your body, uh, particularly what's called visceral fat, and that's the stuff that gets between your organs, um, the more of that that is between your organs, the, the less likely you are to be healthy. Now, there's people I know, I know, I know. I've had relatives who live till they're 172 years old with a whole bunch of extra fat in their body, and it happens. But statistically speaking, it's it's not likely because what happens is that fat <clears throat> gets between your organs. It can lead to diabetes and heart disease. So we talk a lot about the joy of losing unwanted fat, extra movement, the ability to exercise or play or to, you know, I love to talk about jumping down on the floor and rolling around with little kids because I love playing with little kids and tickling them or I love chasing my hound dogs. You know, I love that stuff. And you know me, I'm a gym rat, but really that doesn't, that's not the big thing I want to talk about today. I want to just challenge you on this. If that stuff's poisoning you and you're listening to Jennifer and you're going, dang, I didn't know that it had all that aluminum. Folks, fat's natural, but at that quantity, that's also a side effect of government, the, the upside down food pyramid. It's our decision what we put into our mouths, but it's also our decision to seek help. Right. So my friends at Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A, weightloss.com, um, they have it's over 7,000 Google reviews, average 4.8 out of five stars. And here's another success point. There were one store in Dallas, Texas. Then they were seven. Then people started to come from Arkansas and Florida and Oklahoma to drop unwanted fat with soda weight loss because it works. And you've heard me talk about their P values, right? The ability to predict how much unwanted fat you'll lose within you know a week's period and in four weeks and six weeks. That's because they pay attention. Their thesis works. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. And if that doesn't close the deal, remember, I look my loved ones in the eye and say, yes, I do recommend Soda Weight Loss, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. Jennifer Margulis is with me, PhD. Um, so you started to talk about the pharmacological, pharmaceutical, industrial complex. That's a real thing. And... When I hear this is to me, if I were to boil the mRNA injection thing down to one moment in time, it would be Tony Fauci. Fauci was asked a question from a reporter. Good question. There are families with kids whose young sons have gotten the mRNA injection and they've, they've gotten myocarditis and or pericarditis. So a swelling of the heart or the sac around the heart. What do you say to those families? This is a doctor. Well, I would I would wait a couple of weeks until the, uh, the the swelling in the heart goes down, and then I would get the second injection. This 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 is very much like a hey, our kids um, ate some peanuts and swelled up and couldn't breathe. What do you suggest? Well, wait a little while, then give them a peanut butter sandwich. Um, is is in your mind? Is Fauci the, I don't want to say bad guy in this, but I listen, I'll, I'll be blunt. I think he's a sociopath by, by his behaviors. Um, but is he the guy driving this? Who else is, who else is that pharma, pharmaceutical complex? I mean, absolutely. Fauci, Tony Fauci has done nothing but bad things for our country. And here's the way to look at that. COVID is happening in a very small amount of time, but let's look at Americans' health in the time that Fauci has been the czar. You know, this is the same man that said, if you disagree with me, then you, I am the science. And if right. you don't believe me, you don't believe science. And has gotten it so that people will write these slogans like, I believe science which as if science is a belief system that isn't, and science isn't a process of questioning where you always have discussion and dialogue and debate, right? So, I mean, 
Fauci has overseen so many bad things in the history of medicine in our country. And the, the sad truth is that our life expectancy has been going down. Our maternal mortality rates are among the highest in the world. And our infant mortality rates in the industrialized world, forgive me, and our infant mortality rates are also ignominiously high. And all of this is happening under public health. You were just talking about people needing to lose weight and having that be part of a a government, um, I, I, I almost want to call it a conspiracy, a, a government collusion. Let's call it collusion because you, you get on TV and you see we're now advertising directly to children and we're advertising, you know, things that are absolutely full of sugar and food dyes that are known to be carcinogenic and endocrine disruptors like polysorbate 80. And what's so interesting about all of that is that we have all of the statistics to show how bad this stuff is for our bodies. And now we see that children and young adults are getting colon cancer at rates that we've never seen before. And everybody goes, I don't know why. What's going on? But, you know, to get back to your question, so what happened in 1986, and I don't know if your if your reader, if your viewers are familiar with this, is that um, there was a, a federal act passed that basically removed liability from the pharmaceutical companies yes. making vaccines. And I just, I, if I can find it, I'll show you because I actually was so shocked to see this in black and white. But basically, if you, I'll just, if you look at how many vaccines we had when you and I were growing up, it was maybe this many, you know, it was like this. And now if you look at how many vaccines children are being given today, it's literally, you can't even see my hand because it's so far off the screen. Yeah. We have literally quadrupled or more now that we're adding COVID to the childhood vaccine recommendations, right? We've quadrupled the vaccine schedule because what happened was we took liability away from the pharmaceutical companies. And all of a sudden, the government and the pharmaceutical companies, instead of the government being careful about vaccine safety, the government basically has become a, an arm of the pharmaceutical industry. And I mean, it's, it's a, it's a, a sad and a sick thing, the revolving door between government and big pharma. And it seems like we have no checks and balances. But the way, um, you know, Bobby Kennedy says it is that the, the, the fox is watching the hen house. And I think that's so true. It's like if we were regulating the airline industry and the people making the airplanes were the ones to decide if it was safe. It's, well, that, it's that terrible. Happened. That, you know, the, the Boeing affair, uh, where Boeing had two planes, um, blow up basically, just, just, you know, break up. That happened after huh, the flight regulars had said, you know, let's, let's cut some red tape here. Let's let the Boeing engineers oversee this. And then Boeing, because look, there's great people at Boeing. There's great people in healthcare. There's people at the FDA trying to do the right thing. And they, but they took the quality control people out of it. They literally moved them out of the loop. And you ended up with two airliners, you know, basically disintegrating in a quick order of time. And now we see it's at the FDA level. We see it at the CDC level. And what do you tell, what do, would you say to the doctors who listen to us and the nurses who listen to us? You'd said that their, you know, their jobs are on the line. That's true. Their money, their retirements. How can they be effective, um, maybe even just on a quiet basis? I talk about quiet heroes who quietly will take a family aside and say, hey, can I just share with you? I wouldn't get your kid injected with this stuff. I, I, yeah. I'm not really questioning this. Are there effective ways or are there organizations? Is there, is there anonymous whistleblowing? How do they help, Jennifer? I mean, the doctor, I, I, that's another excellent question. Um, you know, Peter McCullough, the, the cardiologist yeah. who's spoken out about the safety of these vaccines and his concerns about it had said to, he gave a talk to about a hundred healthcare professionals. A lot of them were doctors and some naturopaths, some DOs in the audience. And he, you know, he said that one of the things that he was encouraging everyone to do was when you go to your doctor, anytime you go to your doctor, not to have the fight 
necessarily that you had, although I, I love that you said that to that doctor, but to say to every doctor you see, I'm not willing to get that vaccine because it's not safe enough for me. Or to say, I don't think that's the right vaccine to do because it's not safe for my family. And if doctors could, I mean, I just got contacted literally yesterday by a doctor who said, I've always been 100% pro-vaccine. I've pushed the vaccines on my patients 100% now that, you know, but I am completely against COVID and here's why. And he's going to sign up and help in a, in a horrible custody dispute, just horrible, where these two parents are basically using their children's bodies to fight with each other. And the one parent who's very upset wants to get the children completely vaccinated and including all the COVID vaccines, which we know are absolutely counterindicated for children. I mean, almost every country in the world, except the United States, is saying no to any COVID vaccine for a child under 12. And even over 12, I think is a complete, I mean, I, I actually think that it's it's going to be criminal. It's just horrible what we're oh. doing. But, um, you know, having doctors say, like you said, that quiet heroes, having a doctor say, you know, here's the recommendations of the, the, the government authorities. I want to say, I don't think that the government authorities have been doing such a great job. We've seen such an excess, not only of deaths from COVID when they said the vaccine would help us, then we saw the death rates go up, but we're seeing over a thousand excess deaths not attributable to COVID per week. That's based on European statistics. So if a doctor says, you know, I'm a little concerned about the safety profile, I got to tell you, they're now recommending these bivalent boosters. If you were my dad or my wife or my kid or whatever age, you know, I'd probably suggest that you wait and see, and that might be the safest approach. Like if a doctor says yeah. that to their patients, their patients, listen, doctors, we think of them as gods because in a way they are doing God's work when they're doing they're doctoring right. <laughs> you right. know, they're helping us heal our bodies. And they're, I mean, I, I tend to think of doctors as wonderful people. I don't like the way a lot of doctors have behaved during this COVID crisis or COVID, whatever you want, fiasco. But I do think that they, that they don't realize how much power they have because patients listen to them. And, you know, one of the doctors who called me literally sobbing and apologizing, yeah. said, I'm afraid of getting called out. I'm afraid of losing my license. This is my livelihood. And, you know, I have a mortgage and I have children and all the rest of it. And she's a single mom. And, you know, and I said, but people listen to you. You have such a huge, she has 5,000 people in her practice in a small town in, you know, in Oregon. And, you know, they, you talk and they will listen. And indeed, they, she, part of the reason why she woke up is she was seeing 60 year old women bleeding out their nipples. She was seeing <clears throat> another one of her patients came in who had, who had had some leg problems after the first, I think it was a Moderna shot. After the second one, her leg was completely paralyzed. And, you know, she just started seeing over and over these terrible adverse effects. I mean, these mRNA vaccines have terrible side effects. And she couldn't close her eyes anymore. She could, she, it was easier to close her eyes with the babies, although she was always a choice doctor. She was also always a vaccine friendly doctor. That's what we, that's what we call vaccine friendly plan is the name of this book. And awesome. a vaccine friendly doctor is a code word. It was coined by Dr. Bob Sears, who's in Southern California yeah. for a doctor who is friendly towards the patients. And if you want to do all the vaccines, they support you. If you want to judiciously space out the vaccines, they support you. If you decide that you want to delay indefinitely, they support you. So this doctor had always been a vaccine-friendly doctor, but it was only now during this time of great difficulty for all of us that she realized that she has to start getting active. And so here's one more interesting thing. I have a, a very small Telegram channel and um, I have two people who manage that channel. I don't tend to be on Telegram. It's not a forum that I like so much. I'm more yeah. active on other social media platforms. But that doctor is actually one of the people who does most of the posting for me. So she hides behind me. <laughs> and that's one of her ways of being a silent or a quiet hero. So there's lots of opportunities like that. I'm always looking, if any of your listeners you know, want to speak publicly. I write two articles a week for the Epic Times. It's a conservative Christian oriented newspaper. And I, we're always looking for doctors who haven't been in the conversation to come forward and speak up and just share their opinion.
opinions. So I would also encourage some of your listeners to reach out to me if they're ready to talk. And But that's doing it on the record. That's, yeah. you know, it's hard to talk to journalists. I know it can be intimidating because then you're putting yourself out there. And when you stick your neck above the crowd, someone tries to chop it off. Right, right. And <clears throat> there's... um. Not to go from the, uh, the, the scientific and the, and the deep and the medical to pop culture, but there's a, uh, one of my favorite Western movies is called Open Range. And at a point in the film where it's very predictable in, in Western, you know, Western structure, it's a battle for a town. And this guy comes to Kevin Costner and says, I didn't raise my boys to be, to be warriors and to be soldiers. They're shipping guys. And, and Kevin Costner looks at him and says, I don't know if you know this or not, but there's things that not a man worse than dying. And I will tell you this, that, that um, there are those of us who've left traditional media to podcasts, although I'm blessed now with the national radio show. Um, a, a year after leaving, I have no disparaging remarks at all about the radio station. I was at fantastic run. But I'll tell you something, that at least from a Christian perspective, when you do something for the truth, you refuse to lie. You refuse to put lies in your mouth. You refuse to tell lies to your patients. You treat the least of these as the Lord Jesus would have you treat him. Um, you're going to be the, the, the Lord likes to replace what you lose, right? Peter McCullough is being stripped of his credentials. Well, I'll tell you what, he doesn't uh, uh, anymore. Those of us who want the truth will buy his books. We will pay subscription fees to hear him speak. Um, he's going to be well supported financially. Not that that takes away the credential stripping. That's horrible. And it's ty- it's tyrannical. But, you know, there is truth is a reward in of itself, Jennifer. I agree with that 100 percent. And nobody can take away his medical degree. They're trying to strip him of his medical license, his license to practice medicine, which I will say, if we were a country that cared about people's health. I mean, when I was speaking at that conference with Dr. McCullough, he had literally seen patients all day and then gotten on an airplane and flew to Sedona, California, to I mean, Sedona, Arizona, yeah. to help his um, you know fellow healthcare professionals, which was the conference was geared towards them. And he whenever I call him, he calls me back instantly, but it's always at five o'clock because he is a busy <laughs> clinician and he is yeah. one of the most brilliant cardiologists on the planet. If we care about human health, why would we take away the right to practice medicine from literally the world's best cardiologist in the world. I mean, it just makes no sense whatsoever. And that's why this is all about politics. But what you said is so important. We have to have integrity. We have to have an ethical compass. We cannot be afraid of, you know, regulatory agencies or our colleagues making fun of us or losing, you know, losing our livelihood because there's something bigger than that. And, you know, a moral compass is more important than any of your revenue. So, I mean, I just think that every single doctor on the planet and every single human has to get out of their comfort zone and start recognizing the evil that's being perpetuated on Americans and make it stop. Like how many more people have to die before we start connecting the dots that are so clear? We have the scientific literature to back it up. I mean, you saw that the that the woman, the young woman who wrote um, Julia and Ju- Julie and Julia died two days ago. Did you see that, Todd? Yeah. She was 49 years old. She dropped dead from a heart attack and she was out there on Twitter every day saying vaccine unvaccinated people need to stay away from me. And it's good that they're dying like flies. I mean, literally this kind of thing. And then a a, 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 a a completely healthy 49-year-old drops dead from a heart attack. And it goes back to those excess deaths. I mean, at this conference, there were five medical doctors who all said, including Dr. McCullough, the excess deaths are coming probably from undiagnosed myocarditis, which then can flare up if you're doing exercise or if you're yep. sleeping. At, you know, at the, right before waking, you have a surge of hormones. We actually wrote an article about why people are dying like this in their sleep. We're seeing 38-year-olds, 18-year-olds, 17-year-olds dying out of the blue. This is absolutely not normal, and it's in great excess. So the powers that be said, you get the vaccines, and people will stop dying from COVID, and everybody will go back to being healthy. So everybody complied, right? I mean, there was a few, there are very few people, even you said, even you got 
bullied into getting one vaccine. Is no, no. that what no, 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 no. I'm, I'm unejected, unafraid. I'm a pure blood. I said no um, all the time. No, um, <clears throat> no, I did not and will not. Never did. My family didn't. Nope. Okay. Well, you are in the tiny, tiny minority. I mean, I even had people say to me, I did one because my, my, you know, my daughter-in-law said I'd never see my grandkid again. And, you know, so many, I mean, you can talk to regret people all day long till the cows come home. But the truth is, is it was more than 80% of Americans complied with this ridiculous, unsafe injection agenda, right? And it made the pharmaceutical industry so unbelievably rich. 493 billionaires were minted during the year 2021, (laughs) according to Forbes magazine. So, you know, um, but the thing is, is that all of these people are complying and did comply and we saw everything get worse. So now we're seeing excess death. And because we had a, an event, we had a viral infection, I, I think, right? I know that there are people who don't think that there even was that, but we should have expected. So we basically, that means that the vulnerable in any population would be, um, would potentially succumb to it, right? So we actually should have seen, now that we're in 2022, we should actually see a much lower excess death rate. So we should right. have much lower mortality figures this year than ever, than during all of COVID, right? Because COVID would have taken off the people we would expect to die. They would have hastened their demise. Does this make sense? Oh, so absolutely. What that means is that when we're seeing a thousand excess deaths per week in England, we're actually seeing a much higher percentage of deaths than we would expect because of having COVID potentially taking out people who are vulnerable. So no one is talking about this. I mean, it's, oh, and, and when you start talking about it, people start accusing you of being an anti-vaccine fanatic because you're concerned about people in America dying. We, we, we talk about it all the time on the program, and I've grown to, to view this as <clears throat> I, have a, I have a theory. Uh, in fact, let me do this because I want to I want to run this theory by you. If we can hold you for another 10 minutes, I need to do just one other thing real quick. Um, I'm fascinated with the discussion. And <clears throat> let me just say this as we're talking with Jennifer. Um, it, this is a, a, a crazy and important juxtaposition. You know, we work with Bulwark Capital Management. We work with Bone Frog Coffee, Soda Weight Loss, American Financing. Um, when we started to work with Mike Lindell at My Pillow, this just occurred to me. <clears throat> this podcast is going to be one that may well get pulled. Uh, Spotify and the others might. This might be one that they remove. That's okay. We'll put it elsewhere. They've tried to remove Mike Lindell. <clears throat> I mean, they got him out of retail stores. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond said, oh, wow, you don't trust the election results. Well, then, therefore, we're going to shut you out of our stores, as if the two things are connected. But in today's day and age, they are connected. And my pillow has withstood this storm. And Mike Lindell has gone back to his roots, which is going back to us. But the my pillow has not changed. Why would he possibly change the core of my pillow? Here's my challenge to you guys. If you haven't tried this and you've heard this all the time, here's a twofer. You can help pay for discussions like we're having now and get fantastic pillows for your family if you've never tried it. If you have tried it, again, gift time is coming for a lot of us. So the My Pillow product, you can get a very special price. It's the best price that's ever existed. You receive a standard MyPillow for only $19.88. Use the promo code HERMAN, H-E-R-M-A-N, for deep discounts on all MyPillow products. That's MyPillow.com slash HERMAN. And use my promo code, my last name, HERMAN. So go to my page at MyPillow.com slash HERMAN. Use the promo code HERMAN. Remember this, 60-day money-back guarantee. This stuff is made in the United States. I believe it's out of Michigan, right? It's It's the town where Mike grew up. And had such problems and came to the Lord and, and committed himself to helping people sleep in the United States. And the MyPillow product itself is washable, so you get the dust mites out of it. Because if you ever looked at a pillow you don't wash for about a year, it's a universe of bad in there. It's gross. But you can wash my pillows continually. So go to my page, mypillow.com slash Herman. Use the promo code Herman to take advantage of this offer. And remember, they tried to disappear. What the, I mean, what? They've disappeared him from Newsmax. And it's, it's extraordinary. It just occurred to me how much this matches up with the conversation verboten and a, uh, a company verboten. 
And Jennifer Margulis is with us. Will you show us the other book that you wrote, please, real quick? Uh, you, you showed us one. The show us the other. Sure, yeah. Um, so this book is called Your Baby, Your Way, and it's the subtitle is Taking Charge of Your Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Parenting Decisions for a Happier, Healthier Family. And this is really an investigation of, it, I mean, it took me 10 years to research and write this book and talk about being canceled. Um, you know, the on Mother's Day, a review of the book came out in the New York Times um, Sunday Book Review, which less than 1% of the books that are submitted get reviewed. The review was so nasty. There wasn't one sentence that was positive. It made it sound like I pulled the entire book out of my left nostril when I had done you know, seven years of research and three years of writing to get it done. And it has over 300 peer-reviewed scientific citations in the back of the book. I mean, it's exhaustively <laughs> cited, this book. And because of that, I was canceled from the Diane Rehm show. So the Diane Rehm show was NPR. She had over a million listeners. It would have sold books. Barnes and Noble pulled it out of every bookstore. You couldn't buy it. And that was the hardcover of this book. It was called The Business of Baby. My publisher stood by me. So publishing is very interesting. It might be one of the last bastions of freedom of speech, at least some publishers, because the publishers understand that people want to read and make decisions for themselves. Whereas, you know, people, unfortunately, they tend to be the ones who are on the liberal left, think that we should burn the books that people are too stupid to actually read the science. Yeah. They're too stupid to read the books. We have to just you know, cancel them. But um, my publisher stood by me, but they had we changed the title of the book to call it Your Baby, Your Way, soften it up. And um, we changed the introduction too. And because they wanted to distance it from this horrible review in the New York Times. And, you know, there's a chapter in that book about... Um, cesarean birth and I we won't go too far off topic but the the person who wrote the review had had a cesarean and she and the 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 chapter if I can sum it up is about how it's a life-saving operation when it's necessary but we know based on World Health Organization statistics that probably on the order of 600,000 cesarean births a year are yeah. unnecessary and it's because you get literally twice as much money so it cost $25,000 for a hospital vaginal birth. It costs over $50,000 for a cesarean. It's much easier for the doctors. It's very quick. It happens in a few minutes, whereas a normal, healthy physiological birth can happen. It can actually take 24, 48, even longer. It can take four days to have a healthy baby vaginally. And it's considered liability free for the doctors, right? And the hospital. So that if something goes wrong, if you had a C-section, they won't get sued. But if they didn't give you a C-section, they might. So this kind of, this reviewer, described in a piece that she wrote how she had been spread eagle with her hands tied. So we actually tie down the hands of pregnant women, which is not done in any European country. It's just standard of care in America that you put the woman on the operating table and you actually tie their hands, which is in oh. my mind, torture. And it's totally unnecessary. It's a, it's, it's insane is what it is. And this reviewer who hated my book, who basically the last sentence of her review said, you know, buyer beware is a helpful concept. Don't buy this book. I mean, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but she literally said that. And then Diane Rehm canceled me because of a producer who herself had had three C-sections. And she said to me, well, I had three C-sections. What's wrong with that? I said, absolutely nothing. And don't believe anything I say. Go back and look at it in the literature. I will give you all the citations for every single sentence that comes out of my mouth so that you can verify that what I'm saying is factually accurate. And you know, I said that same thing, that a C-section is a life-saving operation. And it is. There are people listening to this show right now who would not be here if it weren't by the grace of God and the ability to to have a C-section and have access to it. But that doesn't mean that we're doing it wrong and that we're mistreating women and that 30% of American women don't work because our C-section rates are over 30%. And, you know, the cancel culture just wants you to cancel. They just want you not to know about it. Just keep doing business as usual because the, the pharmaceutical industry and the doctors and the medical complex win when they convince women that their bodies don't work, when they convince parents yeah. that their babies aren't healthy and don't have good immune systems and don't have the grace of God and must be injected with so many vaccines right from birth. When yeah. we convince people that we are flawed and we are not strong and healthy, everyone makes money. 
But when people are healthy and when they do things in a more natural, gentle way with less pharmaceutical products, all of these big industries lose money. It's just fact. Yeah. And it's not off topic. Incidentally, it's right on topic. You know, my mom was conned into um, not um, not using um, uh, breast milk for a little while uh, because the doctors were selling formula. Well, why use that nasty breast milk? I mean, we have this beautiful formula. And of course, we know that immunities are passed on through the breast milk. And we know that in the natural birth process, and yes, there are people who need to have emergency cesarean sections. I have a friend who's had to have it twice. Her body just doesn't want to give birth. Um, and, but we know that there's also in that process, there are physiological advantages handed to the baby. Um, in that process, it's, it's, you know, a God given process. Now we have one of the masters of disasters of this whole thing. Bill Gates is out with a new formula and it's also being pitched as, oh, well, this is much better than breast milk. And this is also the guy who wants us to eat plastic meat because, you know, that other meat, that's horrible for you. And it's funny how it's all patented. It's all the Monsanto style, um, stuff where we're going to kill the, the existing product, you know, Bill by, pricing out cattle ranching through his, you know, his carbon scam. So none of this is off topic, you know, and it's so funny because uh, I guess it's not funny. It's just the way things are. So much of this goes back to the word of God and God is not the God of shortages. He is the God of plenty, right? He is the God who brought manna from heaven. He is the God who Moses struck the rock and water came from it. Right, he is the God that in 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 my construct and in, in in how I see truth. You know, the Lord Jesus produced bread and multiplied it. Right, this stuff that they have invented of shortage and fear and scaring people into doing things. Hey, if you're if it's so good for you, then why would you have to scare people into it? Uh, but that's where we sit these days. And you know, I'll just say this: I had a book <clears throat> that a publisher loved, absolutely loved, and we had two calls. And it was called One Nation Under Gods. Uh, and the gods were Gates and Fauci and Zuckerberg and Dorsey, uh, who were, of course, censoring us and much more in the, in the case of Gates. I used to work for Bill, by the way, not directly for him, but several levels down, but been in Bill meetings before he became a psychopath. And my publisher, not, not, it's not my publisher, because they listened to the book pitch. They loved it. They took a meeting. Then they took another meeting. Then they came back and said, we would love to publish this. We will need you to take out $6 million in liability insurance. Oh, my God. Because – or just make the book about Fauci. He he can't sue you. He won't. But you can't – or you can't use their names. You can say high-tech titan A. And like, But, guys, this is all footnoted. None of this is made up. Like when I make – I'm smart enough to know I'm not going to leave a lot of surface area for Bill Gates to sue me reasonably in every state. I want the case kicked. Right? Here is the quote. Here is the website where he said it. Right? Here is the paperwork. Here are the patents. Right? This isn't and so I guess I didn't I, I wasn't being published, so they didn't protect me, but they wouldn't take me on. Let me wrap this up because I've taken you so long uh, on this and it's such a gift to have your time. Um, what do parents what do parents do who disagree on this? What, what about, you know, uh, dad wants the, uh, the vaccines all at once or wants them and mom doesn't. Um, how do parents deal with that in your mind? Wow. That's another excellent question that we could spend three hours yeah. on. I will say that, um, you know, our, the vaccine friendly plan is not an anti-vaccine book. It's a book yeah. to help people navigate these kind of disagreements. And it's also not a book, even though it has the, our publisher interestingly wanted to have the word vaccine in the title, but it's a book about how to be healthy, how to help your kids be healthy at every age. So we talk about how snacks need to be real food. So instead of feeding your child Cheetos, you give them some clementines. They come right in their own package. Same with a banana, same with, you know, you know, food needs to be food. And one of the biggest problems we have these days is that we've been duped into thinking that things that are pureed and processed and full of anti-mold inhibitors are healthy and they're not. And the book also talks about, you know, everything from fifths disease to what do you do if your daughter wants to have a tattoo? So it's, it's no, a book right. that helps you make judicious choices and helps you have the conversation with your, with your, um, 
your, your pediatrician and also with your spouse. Um, because I think that, and you know, there are some people who are going to look at everything and decide to do no vaccines. And that is absolutely reasonable choice. There are other people, which was more my family when our kids were growing up that are going to look at it and make and make choices to pick and choose. And I will say one thing, we didn't give any child a vaccine. I've got four children from the ages of tw- 23 to the baby is about to turn 13, right? Um, yeah. And we decided, my husband and I talked a lot about this and we decided not to do any vaccines until the, in, until they were we felt that they were necessary. And as long as you're exclusively breastfeeding a baby and the baby's not being exposed to a lot of other children, there is no reason. It It is 100% reasonable to delay vaccines. And it's also reasonable to delay them indefinitely because we have immune systems <laughs> and our immune systems work really, really well. And when we feed our bodies the right kinds of food and we give them the sun, we give our bodies sunlight and we spend time in prayer and we spend time meditating and sleeping and, 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 you know, for the adults making love, I'm a big proponent of the health benefits of making love. So you can tell your wife or your spouse, mutually consensual lovemaking is hugely wonderful for your overall health. When we do all of those things, our bodies are going to respond by being incredibly healthy. And we're going to see that we don't actually need to do vaccines, we don't necessarily need to do a lot of pharmaceuticals. I mean, a lot of people can get off of these medications, a doctor will say it's lifelong. They'll say you don't have a choice and you're going to be stuck on this medication for the rest of your life. They say that to people who have diabetes, for example. Yep. And we know that that's a blatant falsehood and that we can almost, with natural medicine and good choices and gentle practices, we can actually get most people off of most of their pharmaceutical medications. Yeah, no kidding. You know, um, Greg Glassman is the founder of CrossFit, and I've been blessed to become a friend with Greg. And one of the things they studied at a CrossFit was how they rever- reversed type 2 diabetes. And I'm here to tell you, <clears throat> when I dropped 150 pounds of unwanted fat, I no longer take thyroid meds. And I was told, for, um, you know, when I put on a bunch of weight in my mid-20s, this is for the rest of your life. No, it's not. You know, returning to a healthy body weight. So, I couldn't agree more. The notes, um, the podcast notes has a link to Jennifer's website, to the books, and you are welcome back anytime. Such a blessing. Uh, thank you for using your voice and your intelligence and what you were taught to do as a PhD, your research. I can't fathom that level of work and productivity. And uh, thank you for using the gifts God gave you. And I appreciate you. And I always say the same thing when I wrap something up with a, um, a guest, which is I just invite you uh, to go with God's good grace. Thank you so much, Todd. I really appreciate you having me on your show. Uh, an absolute, absolute pleasure. Uh, Jennifer Margulis, and she wisely said it rhymes with marvelous. That makes sense because it certainly does. This is the Todd Herman Show. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and please always remember that God is not a God of shortage. He's not a God of bad health or disorder. In fact, he values health and order for us. That's why he gave us an instruction kit, the owner's manual, as it were. 